Hey, this is Heath Padgett, and welcome to the RV Entrepreneur Podcast, episode 155. The RV Entrepreneur is a podcast for anyone who's interested in downsizing their life, creating remote income, and working from anywhere. Today's episode is a keynote from our 2018 RV Entrepreneur Summit that we hosted earlier this year in Texas with Kevin and Mandy Holish. Both Kevin and Mandy are good friends of ours. They've been on the podcast a couple times, but I wanted to bring them back on the show via their keynote talk at our summit because it's different hearing even somebody's story on an interview versus hearing it in person, delivered in a kind of a main stage talk kind of presentation. And also the reason why I wanted to bring them back on the podcast is because a lot of the people who I've interviewed on this show, we kind of dig into the things that worked for them, their successes. And in Kevin and Mandy's talk, they really focus and hone in on all the things that they did that didn't work and how they learned from those mistakes. And sometimes they can be awkward to talk about, uh, especially if they're still kind of painful failures. And it was some of the first time that Kevin and Mandy had ever talked about these things in an open setting. And I love hearing, <laughs> it sounds bad, I love hearing failures from fellow entrepreneurs because not everything works. And that's just the reality of the situation. We love to brag about all the things that, that work on Instagram and in real life. But the truth of the matter is a lot of the things that we try just don't work out the way that we want. Earlier this year, Alyssa and I were at a conference. And I heard one of the speakers say, people respect your successes, but they relate to your struggles. And I've thought about this a lot because we live in this world where you want to share and put your best foot forward all the time. And you want people to think that you're knowledgeable and you're good at what you do, but it takes trial and error to get to that point. And so that's the purpose of today's episode with Kevin and Mandy digging in to some of their biggest failures as entrepreneurs. Support for today's episode is provided by the Stories from the Road podcast. One of my favorite parts of RVing is sitting down with other people and sharing stories. The good, the bad, the hilarious. The Stories from the Road podcast talks to RVers from all walks of life about what led them to the RV lifestyle, the things they like, the things they don't like, and where they see themselves going in the future. The conversations are heartfelt and funny, and if you're any kind of RVer yourself, and I'm assuming you are since you listen to the RV Entrepreneur podcast, you'll identify with a lot of what you hear. That's Stories from the Road podcast, and it's available on iTunes, Spotify, and the Google Play Store, and everywhere else you listen to podcasts. All right, let's get into today's episode with Kevin and Mandy. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Hi, everybody. We're Kevin and Mandy of 188 Square Feet, and we met in high school. I grew up in Michigan, and then we I moved with my family to Pennsylvania, and that's where I met Kevin. I moved in high school in 10th grade, which really sucked. But I met this guy, which is a good thing. And yeah, the so next slide, you get to see the lovely prom photo. <laughs> we went to prom together. <laughs> we were just friends at the time. And um, we started dating on high school graduation, and we've been together ever since. So it's been a while. It's been 11 years now. And then we got married in 2014. And we, shortly after, we decided to go on a pop-up camper trip. We were like, a road trip sounds really fun. Sort of like a second honeymoon. <laughs> we were, I am a wedding photographer by trade, so I have an off-season in the winter. And I was like, we have four months. Why are we sitting in our apartment freezing and just miserable about winter? So we used my aunt's camper. Um, we borrowed her pop-up camper and took it to Florida. I had a wedding in Key West, and we were like, hey, how about we just drive down there and then just like mess around for a couple months? And we loved it. We fell in love with the lifestyle, but we were like, there's no one living this way. Like, this isn't a thing, as we all know. 
it is a thing. <laughs> but we didn't know at the time. Um, and then we started to kind of dive into all of that, learn about it. And we moved back. We're like, okay, we have to get an apartment. You know, we're married. We should get a house maybe eventually. But we were all about paying off our student debt, um, which I guess I skipped apart. But yeah, this is our apartment in Pittsburgh. Um, we got all settled, and we loved that. But then once fall came, we knew that winter was vastly approaching. And we were like, what are we doing here? Why did we think that this was a good idea? So after we moved, we've only lived in this apartment for probably like four months. We decided, we sat on the porch one day and we were like, this is not what we want. Like, we want to live on the road. How can we make this happen? But we both had crippling student debt. And yeah, we had $150,000 in debt when we, hit, when we first got married. <laughs> we both went to private schools, so it was a lot. <laughs> and we were really <laughs> stressed out about it. I mean, that's something we really wanted to pay off together. We knew that we didn't want to owe this money to anyone. So we wanted to figure out how we could do this while living on the road. So this is the amount of money that we had when we hit the road. So we did make some progress, but we weren't there yet, you know? Like, we just were not making the progress we wanted. Luckily, we found ways that we could make all this money that we had and just accelerate it. And that was living on the road, which is crazy. The next thing we did was we researched on how much money we wanted to spend. We wanted to be really low price, obviously, because we didn't have a lot of, we didn't have any extra money to spend. So we found a camper at Camping World in New York on Craigslist. It was $5,000. And we were like, yep, this is it. So we went to go see it. We looked at a couple other ones, but this was the cheapest one. So we bought it. We bought it. Once we got there, we bought it. It was $5,000. We're like, yeah, done. So we had the cash for it. We were able to save up beforehand. And we bought it. But the problem was we didn't have a way to get it back to Pittsburgh, which is like three hours away. So we bought a truck. And this truck was available in North Carolina, so we had to do another backtrack to North Carolina to go buy the truck, which was fun. But another little thing happened. Well, as you can see, it's not about the truck in that photo. There's a little kitten in my hand. So when we were coming back from North Carolina, we were in the mountains somewhere. It was in November. It was cold. And we were filling up the diesel for the first time. And we were gas. We didn't know anything about diesel, DEF. We didn't know any of that stuff. So Kevin's like, you have to learn how to do this. So like, you have to get outside and do this with me. And I was like, oh, God. Like, it's like the last thing I want to do. It's miserable outside, similar to today. And, um, and we, I'm doing that. You know, Naturally, I'm not super paying attention. And I see this little like, thing far off in the distance by a semi-truck. And it's a little kitten and he's jumping into the semi-truck engine. So I'm like a crazy animal person. If you guys don't know this, we have four animals, and this is our fourth. And so we, I run over to the semi-truck guy. I'm like, there's a kitten in your engine. We have to get it out. And he was like, yes, let's do it. So he opens the engine, and the kitten is just like snuggled up against the engine. It's like a cold day. He's like got no food in him. He's so skinny. He's all ears, really. And, and I just grabbed him, and, and he basically became our pet. Like, long story short, I just told you the long story, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, so we had a truck to pull our camper back to Pittsburgh so we could start the renovation. So this is what our lovely camper looked like on the inside. She's a Keystone Cougar, and she's 16 years old now? Yeah, yes. so that's what it looked like. But it's hard. it was hard for us to renovate it because we literally had zero experience in renovating We've never had a house. We never had anything like that. So the most we did was like paint an accent wall in our apartment. So yeah, no, no experience. Um, but what happened was um, we just knew we were going to go for it. It was only $5,000. If we really ruined it, we could deal. You know, we could ha handle it. Live in it no matter what. 
but I want to show you guys the after photo. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, guys. I'm glad you like it. It's so funny because we were like, I was so stressed out about the whole thing. I'm like, oh, my God, we have no idea what we're doing. We're probably ruining this whole thing. But we did make it very cozy. And obviously, it's not perfect because, again, we had no idea. But it looks good on camera, which is all that matters, really, you know? <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's our little home. And we've been living in this fifth wheel camper for two and a half years now since we hit the road. And right before we hit the road, when we were kind of deciding what to do is when Heath sent me that email. So we kind of discovered Heath and Alyssa's stuff right at the perfect time for us. So this is where we've been living for two and a half years. And in that time, um, we've been working the whole time. So we travel full time, but we travel pretty slowly. But we also work mostly uh, a full time gig. And Mandy is a wedding photographer by trade, like she mentioned, and also working to become a silversmith. And like Heath mentioned, I am an app developer. And when we first hit the road was kind of when a moment was first starting to take off, which I'll talk about a little bit later. But first, we kind of have to tell the story of like how we got to the careers we're at currently. And in that, as we were traveling, we like to boondock a lot. And we've been to just some absolutely amazing places while we've been building our careers. This is... Sedona, Arizona. We've also spent time parked right on the beach in Galveston, Texas. You can park on the beach for free, just southeast of here. And Fort Bragg, California. Um, so we've seen a lot of beautiful parts of America and still worked on building our careers. But to get to our careers at the current day, we kind of went through a lot of potholes. Our careers weren't always um, sunsets in the hot tub, as they like to say around here. So we've had a lot of, oh, that's, that's Mandy being a silversmith and me on a laptop. So we've had a lot of failures on the way. Um, Mandy's had a couple business ideas that she's tried and I've had a couple, more than a couple. Actually couldn't even fit all the logos on there. There's about four more. Um, but we're gonna talk about a couple of them, kind of our biggest, uh, most hurtful failures and you know, the kind of lessons we've learned from them. Okay, guys, so this is like the first time I've ever talked about this failure. It was so hard for me to fail at this. Um, it's still like a stab to the heart in a way. So I, growing up, I knew I wanted to be creative. I was always about clothing. I really thought that fashion was my life, like what, what I wanted to do when I, was a little, when I grew up. So I thought I was going to be a fashion designer. And... It didn't quite happen. I went to school for marketing and I was like, okay, this can help me with other things and I'll learn about it. And then I worked in e-commerce for a little while in the fashion industry and I liked it, um, but it wasn't quite fulfilling what I needed to fulfill. So I have been a curvy girl my whole life and having clothing that I actually like that's fashion forward in my size is like still unheard of pretty much. I mean, there are some great brands out there, but anyway, I'm not gonna get into that. So on the next slide, you'll see I started a Kickstarter project right out of this job that I had. Um, I was 22 or 23, I think, at the time. I was super passionate, and I'm a very passionate person, but um, what happened was I raised all the money, and I was like, wow, this is amazing. People want this. People think that I'm awesome, and it's awesome. I'm so excited. But what I didn't realize is all the work that went into it after, and that is something that still hurts now, because I let these people down. I did fulfill the orders for most of it, but I realized I spent way more money over it. So I asked for $6,000, I got it, 
But what ended up happening is I spent $3,000 more than that. And at the time, that was a lot of money for me. Um, I just left that job. I didn't have a lot of extra money. I thought that I was just going to make it. And so every dollar really, really hurt. Um, and that's basically what happened, and it sucked. But um, yeah, that's my failure, Kevin. <laughs> Let's talk about yours. <laughs> Let's. <laughs> so at the, at the time, I was on probably strike number six at this point. I didn't go into it with that mentality. But um, my sort of biggest failure up until this point is a website I started called TOG. And it was a wedding photography um, or an online gallery for wedding photographers to share their photos with their clients. And I was just watching the tools Mandy, who was a photographer at the time, was using. And I'm a website designer and an app designer. So I was like, oh, I could build you know, a better mousetrap. I can make this better. And I did. I'm proud of what I built. But I had probably a 1,000 conversations trying to sell this to wedding photographers. And it turned out that what I built was only about 10% better than the current tools. And it just wasn't enough to make people change their process. So I spent about a year of part-time work um, working on TOG. Um, I still had kind of a consulting day job building other apps for people and websites. So I had something that would pay the bills. So this was kind of an experiment. And when it eventually failed and I pulled the plug after a year, I took it pretty hard, but this was not my first rodeo, as you saw. I mean, I've had five failures there and a couple other logos that I didn't even include. So I had been through it. It wasn't a personal um, hit to my ego so much, but financially it was um, a pretty big mistake. So I went into about $10,000 in credit card debt to pay for the servers, basically. Images are super expensive to host, especially you know high-quality wedding images. So. I learned a lot, um, and, and that's kind of how we've approached failure. We call it failure on the slides, but we don't really consider them as a couple to be failures. They're just more, pot well, <laughs> Mandy might, but they're just learning experiences. Like we're trying to, uh, we've learned and it's gotten us to where we are today. So, you know, they may have been failures at the time and cost us money and our valuable time, but, you know, it's, it's been, um, the experience that got us to where we are now. But we, that doesn't mean we didn't learn something along the way. Right, so I do still consider mine a failure and I, it still very much hurts my heart because I took so much of myself and put into it. Um, but what I didn't do is do my research. So I don't even think I explained to you what it was. I was trying to start a clothing company. I, was, I had three dresses and I was going to make them and I sold the dresses on the Kickstarter project. So there was a product there. So I didn't do the research about fabric. Like, how do you get your fabric? You have to go to manufacturers, seamstresses. I had one girl. I didn't realize I should have more to fulfill these and like make sure, and then there's like quality problems there. Anyway, there's so much that goes into these things and passion isn't all that you need. You need to do your research. And that's something I learned and I applied to myself and further projects now, which I'm very grateful I learned it, but I still very much consider it a big failure and a very big ego hit. And I learned to place kind of smaller bets. So there was no reason I should have spent $10,000 and dug us deeper into credit card debt or just debt in general. I should have saved up a little money or found a way to sort of learn the skills to um, save some of that money while building TOG. So that's something I've applied to my businesses since TOG. And 
it's also something we apply to our personal life. So as we mentioned earlier, we had just this mountain of student loan debt when we first got married. Um, it's not the best way to start out a marriage, you know, combining finances, living together for the first time. So it was tough. But since then, we've really gone gung-ho on paying off our student loan debt. And moving onto the road helped. It saved us about $1,000 a month just living on the road full-time versus renting an apartment in Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh's honestly a pretty cheap city to live in. So I'm proud to say after four years of marriage and two and a half years on the road, we're officially debt-free. <laughs> so it's, it's sort of weird for a young marriage to celebrate getting back to zero, but it's a big accomplishment. <laughs> for us. Um, we're super proud of it. And that's as of about a month ago. So we're still getting used to it a little bit. Um, and kind of along, along these lines, a big motivator for us getting out of debt was to just give ourselves more freedom to take risks in our careers, try different careers, try different business ideas, um, and hopefully one of them will catch on. And I want to talk about a lesson I learned in college. Actually, I actually studied entrepreneurship in school. I have a four-year degree in entrepreneurship. And one of the most important things I learned is, oh, I should have said, we followed Dave Ramsey's baby steps to get out of debt. So if you want to kind of follow us, Dave Ramsey's baby steps have helped us just basically eliminate money fights from our life. We talk about budgeting and debt and all that stuff. So he's great. We're not going to lecture you about debt. Um, so this lesson I learned in college was kind of um, the opposite of this cliche that time equals money. I'm sure you've all heard that. But this professor, this veteran entrepreneur professor that I had who I learned a ton from, this is kind of the most important he lesson he taught me is to think about ways where you can take your time out of the equation and make your time not equal to your income. So. In a broader sense, that means building a product that you can sell, something that can grow beyond just the amount of hours you can throw at it. And for me, the only successful product I've had up until this point um, is Moment. And Moment wasn't the logo on one of those failure slides because it's been successful. Um, it took a lot of tries to get there, but my goal with starting all of these side businesses was to sort of quit my day job. I was an app developer and designer by trade, so I was building apps for other people for an hourly rate. So I was, my time was equal to money. But with Moment, it's an app that you can download on the App Store and pay a couple bucks to get some features. And that has, over some you know, six months or so of development, it has replaced about 60% of my consulting income that I was making. And that's always been my goal. So as soon as I replace 60%, I could pay my bills comfortably, pay whatever debt we had at the time, and quit my day job and go full-time on the moment and focus on growing it. And that happened about four years ago. Um, and it's, it's been a, a wild ride since then. It's been my dream to be able to support our family and also work on something that I'm passionate about. So with moment, it's, it's sort of an easy transition for me because I'm an app developer by trade, so I'd, I would just make an app. Um, that doesn't necessarily apply to every business. I'm going to give you a couple of examples I learned in college and stole from friends. Um, they don't mind. I asked them. And 
Um, the first is to write a book about what you're knowledgeable about and passionate about. And I'm sure a lot of you in here have written books and are thinking about writing books, but I would just encourage you to do it and put it out there. You can put it up on Amazon, sell it for 10 bucks. Um, that's great. And also you can think about how to build prod uh, products that go beside that too. Maybe video interviews, um, documentation, um, courses that go along with the book that you can charge a lot more than $10 for. So that's one idea. Um, it's kind of an obvious idea. But the second idea is one that I think has a lot of legs in a lot of industries, and that's to create a daily digest newsletter that you sell. So the idea is, um, I, I stole this idea from my friend Mark, actually. Um, he's really passionate about marketing, probably only partially because his name is Mark. And <laughs> I stole this idea from him. So he worked for a marketing company and created this Daily Digest newsletter. So he would spend about four hours a day listening to podcasts, reading articles about marketing, putting that together in a daily email that was sent to other marketing professionals. And it took a lot of time to create this digest, but his company ended up selling it for a set amount per month. Um, I'm making up the numbers here to protect the innocent. but. Um, his company could charge, or you, with your knowledge and your, your sort of daily email list, could charge $25 a month for it. If you had 100 customers paying for that, that would be a $30,000 a year career. And that's a great living. Um, but the kind of cool part about this is you'll notice that your time is not in this equation. So you do have to put time into creating the Digest newsletter, but it's not a direct input to this equation for your income. So you can start to play with the price. If you charge twice as much, you can make twice as much. But kind of the really impressive part is you can change the number of customers. So once you create this daily email and you have it as a product that you're selling, you can have an infinite number of customers. So I actually have another friend who stole this idea from Mark. And he has, as of last week when I talked to him, he has 2,200 customers paying him $50 a month for a kind of professional newsletter that saves professionals a bunch of time, and he's making $1.3 million a year. I mean, essentially listening to podcasts and summarizing them and setting them up. So that's just, that's an incredible goal, but um, that's, I mostly show you this just to inspire you that these kind of things are possible in just about every industry. These are two generic examples, but I would challenge you to think about how you can take your time out of the equation, see if you can build a product and a business that goes beyond just the hours you can throw at it. Think about it. <laughs> okay, so reinventing yourself. I pretty much feel like I'm an expert at this by now. You probably are like so confused, like clothing company, photographer, silversmith, like what is this girl doing? So I have always been very passionate. So when I find something new, I want to throw myself 100% at it. But then I get, sometimes I get bored and I want to try something else. So that's what I've been doing. So um, in college, I studied marketing, but I also studied photography. So photography has been something I've been doing for college and all of that. But so um, after, sorry, I thought he was laughing. I think he sneezed or someone sneezed. I don't know. <laughs> sorry. And um, anyway, so yeah, so I knew all these skills about photography and after Zoftig failed, I got like a crappy hourly job just to like kind of get myself by and pick myself up from where I was. 
And then I had a friend who was a wedding photographer very successfully, and she's like, Mandy, you take these pictures, like, you're, you have skills, like, why aren't you making money off of this? Like, what, what are you doing? And I'm like, I don't know. I sh maybe I should do it. So I still love, I love faking, taking photos. So then I realized, wow, yeah, maybe if she can do it, maybe I can do it. So I looked online. I found as many possible articles I could find, Creative Live. I did everything I could do to research what it took to be a wedding photographer. And it worked. <laughs> It was amazing, actually. It was very help. It really helped my ego because of after that hit, um, I was actually able to able to make money on something that I cared about. And so, after a year of working that weird job and working towards this, I was able to be full time a wedding photographer, and that was like a really, really big deal for me. Um, I worked for myself, and it was awesome. I was able to pay my own bills and not have to work for the man. And when we hit the road, that was a whole other issue. First two years, I flew. I flew to all my weddings, um, and then we occasionally stayed put for a little while. Lots of that, <laughs> which is an amazing view, actually. But um, it wasn't always like that, and it was exhausting. And we weren't able to travel as much. We were very restricted to being near airports and all of that. And I knew that I love, I love wedding photography. I'm always going to probably do it. But I wanted to find something else, something else I was able to love but also make money at and not have to worry about my location. So about a year ago, actually now, I discovered uh, making jewelry, so silversmithing. I saw a video. Actually, Case and Madison's friends that live in a van, they make jewelry. And I saw them making jewelry out of their van. And I'm like, what is this? Like soldering stuff with torches and stuff. And I was like, what is this? Like, I'm so into this. So I looked into it, and I just became hooked. Just like the photography thing, I did my research. I found every possible thing I could find online. I was on Google almost every day, watching videos on YouTube, anything I could find. And I taught myself how to make jewelry in our camper. <laughs> so I've been able to like, have a traveling workbench all over the US, which has been amazing. But I have to work outside because of the fumes and all that crazy chemical stuff. But yeah, so now I'm, I'm like really in the between these two stages in my life. So I'm not one or the other, really. I'm working towards being a, making a brand. So right now I'm working towards making a jewelry brand. And I'm still doing weddings. So I'm not like quite got it all figured out. But I know that a lot of you probably can relate to that. So I'm in between stages. And I think reinventing yourself is something that you shouldn't be afraid of and work towards. So I want to challenge you guys. If you aren't happy in your day jobs or if you're not happy with what you're doing right now, Think about what you, would make you happy. Either if you are, like, a, let's say, a knitting expert, like you love to knit. I know a lot of you guys are probably knitters, right? So what if you wrote a newsletter about knitting? Like you know all the new patterns that are around, anything like that. Like Kevin was saying, the newsletter idea. There's so many ways of making money, and I know that all of you guys can do it with something that you're interested in. So I really want to push you guys to think about what you love and figure out how to make that into a job, or not a job, <laughs> oh, not a job, but make money doing it. Yeah. That's kind of what it, all the, like, the business and story advice we wanted to give. But we do have some like road advice from two and a half years on the road and life advice, which is weird from 29-year-olds. Like, don't take it too seriously. This is just kind of what we've learned. We're experts, guys. <laughs> the first thing is, with RVs specifically, fix stuff yourself. When we started, like Mandy mentioned, we had no idea how to fix up an RV, let alone like the axles and all the electrical stuff. But every time something broke on our camper, which was often, we learned how to fix it ourselves. 
He's saying we, but it was mostly him. Let's be honest. All right, mostly me. She she needs to help me carry stuff every once in a while. But we've basically touched every part of our camper. We've replaced the refrigerator. We've repacked axle bearings. We've fixed leaks in the roof. We've fixed a structural issue with the roof. Fixed some water damage. So. You know, I'm sure you've all heard the horror stories or been a part of them about spending time in an RV service center. It's just not fun. And there's certain things you can't fix yourself, but if you can, I would encourage you just to dive in and try it. There's YouTube videos. There's a ton of helpful RVers that will help you along as well. Something that we absolutely love to do is boondock. If you've never done it, we highly, highly recommend it. It's basically like you are parked in the middle of nowhere, it's dry camping. I don't know, if, did we explain this yet? No, okay, if you guys don't know what it is, it's dry camping, you don't have hookups, you're parked on public land, and you basically usually have the whole place to yourself. It's incredible. Like, this photo is not misleading. Actually, I do think I cut someone out, like, far to the one side. It's misleading because it looks like an Airstream, but it's a fiberglass it's not, camper. It's not, it's a 16-year-old camper with, like, the decals peeled off. You can still see the outline, it's, it's nice. Don't listen to podcasts while you're driving. Sorry, Heath. At least occasionally skip them. We've been together for, you know, almost half of our lives, and we've had some of our best conversations on the road. You know, a six-hour drive where we're not listening to music or podcasts, it's amazing kind of what can come out of silence or, you know, not distracting yourself immediately from something like a, a boring task like driving. Something that we, I was dreading, but we actually decided to do it, is spending a holiday away from your family. So we spent Christmas away from home in 2016. We were in Sedona, Arizona, and we had a white Christmas. And it was really, really magical. While it was hard, I'm like a huge family person. My mom's my best friend. Hey, mom. Um, and yeah, so it was, it was really hard for me, but I'm really, really glad we did it. And I learned a lot about what we can do together. Go outside at least once per day, not counting like taking the dogs out and stuff. So give yourself a half an hour just to take a walk, get away from screens a little bit, go for a walk, stretch out your muscles, um, and more importantly, kind of stretch out your mind. Just let your mind think a little bit. Send mail to people. So you all love getting mail, even though we all usually don't have an address, but it's still exciting whenever you do. Even if you ordered it from Amazon, you're like, oh my God, mail. We like to send mail to our family and friends occasionally, whether it be a postcard. We were just in New Orleans, and we sent um, pralines to our parents, and they loved it. And it's so fun. Like, it's like them being with us in a way. It's, it's a really cool thing. Speaking of family, call your mom. And that applies to the rest of your family and friends, too. The toughest part for us about living on the road is just being away from the, the people we love, our family and friends, our hometown. And there's a lot to be said about just picking up the phone, meaning like the phone app, not social media or texting. Those things are great too, but just call your friends and family every once in a while. Park oceanfront, guys. If you haven't done this, it is life-changing. It You might be in an RV park, but if you have like ocean views, it's so worth it. Like waking up with coffee in your hand and watching like the dolphins just chill outside. It's like, what is my life? It's amazing. Definitely do it if you haven't. And pick a time every day and shut your laptop. So it kind of goes along with what I said about getting outside. But one thing that's helped us just stay sane with the amount of failures in business we've started is just to have, you know, set hours for work. It's amazing to be able to work flexibly and work whenever you want. But sometimes that work bleeds into the evening. And your work can wait until the morning, but there's certain things in your life that shouldn't wait until morning. And for us, that's being together, spending time together. If you have kids, it's obvious um, spending time with kids. Um, and it's just 
you know, pick a time, get away from your screens every once in a while. And take time for yourself. When you guys are, you probably know, when you live in a tight space, if you have someone else with you, it sometimes can be overwhelming and you don't take time to like really think about where you are, how happy you are, if you're doing something that you love. So this picture is not really me by myself. There's two cats in it. But I mean, like just kind of taking time, like mental health time away from your phone, just kind of thinking about where you are in life and what you want out of life. So that's it. We're 188 square feet on Instagram. If you message us, we're happy to help you out. We're generally friendly people. Um, and we just want to thank um, Heath and Alyssa for inviting us to speak and also just putting this whole event on. Um, it's you guys been are rock stars. Truly amazing, just the RV community in general. So it's amazing to be here. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in to that episode with Kevin and Mandy. If you want to check them out, make sure to go say hello over on Instagram at 188 square feet. And also I want to give a shout out to Mandy. She just launched her first jewelry line called Drift. So you can go to Wear Drift on Instagram or check out their website. She's got a lot of amazing necklaces and earrings already up there for sale. It went live last week. Uh, she's incredible entrepreneur and her jewelry line is going to kick butt. So you guys should definitely go check it out. Thank you guys so much for listening to this podcast. Love all of you. Hope you have an amazing day. See you all next time on the RV Entrepreneur Podcast.